it may look like we're all sitting in the same place because we're all in separate booths in the same just building. <laughs> this makes me very uncomfortable to hear you guys twice over. Well, hopefully our listeners don't hear that. Um, <laughs> so anyways, let's get into the news. Uh, let's start with Gen Z. We've talked a lot about Gen Z. I mean, it seems like it's nonstop, but um, we need to talk about Gen Z's preferences because a new list came out showing that the top 25 brands, three of which are restaurant brands, Starbucks, Chipotle, and McDonald's. But McDonald's was at the top of the list. Uh, they've had celebrity partnerships in the past, uh, but really what pushed them over the edge was the Grimace Shake that spurred that interesting TikTok trend. Um, hopefully everybody knows what we're talking about. Uh, but that's really interesting to me that McDonald's is the top of the list because you don't necessarily think of them as this Gen Z brand. They're a stalwart. But they've really been putting in their marketing war chest, as they call it, and it's been paying off. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, this surprises me, I guess. Um, and and I, perhaps it's the millennial in me that is surprised by this because I feel like, um, you know, 10 years ago, millennials uh, were, were all about more sort of authentic, higher quality. Like it seemed like, um, you know, once upon a time, everybody was striving to be, um, you know, not sort of the anti-corporate sort of attitude, right? Like everybody was trying to be... Uh, more highfalutin, you could say. And so McDonald's, you know, I think was in an awkward position back then because you can't be the biggest restaurant chain and position yourself to be all about this authenticity and quality at the same time. And so it's interesting because it seems now with the Gen Z, them coming in, you know, while obviously they do, um, they do have strong preference for quality, I think they're also maybe a little bit more interested in sort of the fun personality, of course, TikTok driving, right? They want to see a little bit more of an irreverent attitude. Uh, brands that are willing to, you know, make fun of themselves or, um, you know, again, have a little bit of fun on the social channels and connect with them and their generation. And, and this is playing right into McDonald's hand. And I don't mean that in a bad way. This is what McDonald's is very good at because this marketing works, as you put it, Holly, affords it the ability to get um, very uh, enmeshed in what this generation is looking for. And they're looking for that personality via TikTok, via digital channels. They're looking for that irreverence, that fun. And, um, and, um, the, the grimace trend is just one example of, of how that manifests, but it, it did still surprise me. I mean, I think brands like Taco Bell tend to do very, very well with the younger generations, um, because, you know, the younger value oriented customers, especially are, are sort of their core demographic. Um, and, and Taco Bell continues to do well, but, but McDonald's, I guess I was surprised to see just because again, um, you know, McDonald's is McDonald's. It is the number one by far restaurant company in America and the world. And, um, you know, some might see that as again, being very corporate, being very chain. Um, you know, you, you could go so far as to say like inauthentic, right? Um, but it's not deterring younger generations from really connecting with them. And, and that's a good sign for McDonald's. But I think it's also a good sign for the rest of the industry because they can study this and watch some of the things McDonald's is doing and figure out some maybe more affordable ways that they can also likewise connect with this generation on TikTok and other channels. It's also fascinating to me how much this Grimace thing has just like permeated society, especially with Gen Z. We just posted a couple of weeks ago a TikTok of IHOP's new Wonka pancakes which are purple. 
I don't know why they're purple. I don't know how they're purple, but they're purple. And you would not believe the number of comments we have that say, oh my God, they're like grimace pancakes from IHOP. So like, it's just, hey guys, like put out a purple menu item right now and the kids still think it has to do with grimace. Now, I don't know if that says more or less about how they think of McDonald's because maybe they just think grimace is a generic restaurant character now, but he's fully permeated society. I really think the grimace thing was a peak of what McDonald's has been doing for the last few years. I mean, Travis Scott, I think that was 2020 when they started working with him. And it just feels like since then, everything has been hyper-focused on Gen Z. Every time they come out with a new celebrity collaboration, I have less and less of an idea of who this person is. But the stories on our website perform better and better because these people are apparently getting more famous as I know less about them, which also makes me feel like a very old millennial, which I am. We won't get into the conversations we had this week about the word of the year. Um, <laughs> it's more of a Jenna Alpha problem. Uh, so yeah, that's really, really interesting to me. It's almost like I'm on the outside, like watching this thing happen to McDonald's. So I'm curious to see if this Grimace thing, this uh, Kerwin Frost collaboration right now, if these things are a peak or if McDonald's is only going to get more and more popular with those younger generations. And not to, you know, um, steer into another part of the McDonald's business, but I think it merits it, which is, you know, this Cosmics um, uh, cos coffee business or drive through that they're opening outside of Naperville, Illinois. Um, you know, that's in the news today as well. And I only wanted to bring it up because there is a connection to Grimace, which is that Cosmic was a character from the uh, maybe 80s and 90s, um, like this alien character that they've named this new store after. Um, and, and so they might be taking a, a page out of the Grimace playbook, um, but maybe it also says something about customers that they're, you know, interested in much like millennials were before them. And to be fair, much like all generations, there's there's a nostalgia play here. There's, you know, what's old is new again. Maybe that's resonated with Grimace and that's now maybe going to resonate with Cosmics. Um, that remains to be seen. Um, but McDonald's is, t is taking advantage of the assets it already has, right? I mean. It's looking into its past and bringing forward some of these, you know, brand components that have been dormant for a while, but are finding finding resonance with younger generations, partly because maybe they think it's cool because they're kind of these old, you know, dorky characters, or, you know, maybe it's just, um, you know, it's a new association for the younger generation that they've not seen before. Maybe that's what we're looking for all along. Well, what I find so fascinating about this is that Grimace is over 50 years old and Gen Z latched onto it. like and mcdonald played into it they they accepted that it was a tiktok trend and they responded to it but became a trend all on its own like it just happened there was no it was organic there was no reason that gen z would latch onto grimace like it's a very weird concept but they did and that's i think the fascinating thing about it is that you don't know what's gonna hit but apparently this really resonated with gen z and their trend of uh, falling down on the floor and pretending to die uh, after they had the shake, which is so bizarre. But it has like billions of views, which is crazy. So um, you just don't know what's going to hit. And I think that's the hard part about marketing now uh, is that like things can blow up or things can do nothing. Um, and I think that's really fascinating to think about. And I guess one one final kind of note on that is how much, you know, your brand is really not your own, Right. Your brand is whatever your consumers make it out to be, and you have to respond to it. We might have talked about this last week, um, but you know I've talked about 
Taco Bell is, and again, another example of, of a company that's very good at this. Um, but in the case of this grimace trend on TikTok, you know, that McDonald's didn't start that, right? The falling on the floor thing. Um, and so that's another example of how McDonald's just recognized how it, its brand is, um, you know, viewed in the eyes of younger generations and then went along with the joke. They, they played along with it and took advantage of that to, you know, really shine a spotlight on their brand. And again, not in a, in a way that um, it could have been easy for Gen Z to be like, come on, dude, like you weren't ever a part of this. Don't butt your way in. They, but they didn't because I think it was all done very authentically, I guess you could say. So anyway, just a point of, you know, your brand is whatever your consumers are making of it on social. You have to participate in that and, and understand it and listen to it. And then again, you have to um, go along for the ride and seem like some, you know, curmudgeonly old man who says, my lawn, but rather say, oh, okay, this is what you see of our brand. We will, we will accept that. Well, now moving from some positive news to some rather negative news, uh, Panera, while they have, you know, finally kind of said, according to anonymous sources, that they're filing for an IPO probably in the first quarter of 2024, they've also been in the news for this charged lemonade, which could impact their IPO. Um, I kind of think they made these anonymous sources say it to divert attention from that, but that's another story. Um, so this charge lemonade has killed two people at this point. There are two lawsuits. Um, and this has like the caffeine of three Red Bulls, just one glass of this, which is insane. Um, but I don't know what to think about this story. I think that the IPO may be a diversion, but I guess we could start talking about the IPO first because that's interesting. And then we could talk about the lawsuit. I don't think Sam or I want to talk about any of it. <laughs> Um, yes, Panera is almost definitely filing for an IPO next year. This has been an incredibly long time coming. Um, Panera, of course, we've talked about this on here before. It used to be a public company. It went private. It's probably going public again. They've rearranged their assets. They've created a new umbrella. Um, they went through some restructuring and layoffs earlier this year. And now they have, according to anonymous sources, confidentially filed for an IPO, which means we're probably looking at the real thing in the coming months. A lot of people um, across the industry think that we're going to see a pretty active IPO market in 2024. Um, and I am inclined to agree with them, I think, because of, you know, there were fewer IPOs this year, but the ones that we saw were really incredibly successful. Um, Kava being the very obvious example has just seen wild success since it filed six months ago. Um, and so I think Panera will be one of several companies, perhaps the biggest company uh, in the restaurant space going public in 2024. And yeah, they're making moves towards that. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't possibly um, then pretend to say that this is exactly why this news is breaking about Panera um, potentially going public. But Stranger things have happened with restaurants uh, marketing campaigns. And so, um, yes, look, I mean, Panera has an unfortunate position in the marketplace right now of having two customers die after drinking their beverages. Now, look, um, to me, this strikes me as being a little different than, for example, the Jack in the Box E. coli of 1990-whatever, where, you know, four people died from eating Jack in the Box food, right? That was sort of a, um, has become very much sort of like a textbook 
how to, you know, navigate through like a food safety crisis. Like this is a little different um, where, you know, certainly customers who are drinking these products are aware of, you know, what kind of caffeine is in these products. Um, now, I think, of course, now Panera is being a lot more intentional about the information they're sharing and there are warnings. Um, and the unfortunate nature of it is maybe sometimes, I, I don't know all the details about the two people who sadly passed, um, but, you know, you, you never know the health makeup of a customer's body and what they're going to react to, right? I mean, I think anybody drinking energy drinks anywhere should be aware of the caffeine levels in them and whether or not that's good for you. You should probably consult the doctor as crazy as it sounds. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, you know, this is not something where it's oversight from Panera. This is just a sad case of, um, you know, a product gone astray and, you know, a couple of customers who unfortunately lost their lives because of it. Now you do still have to do crisis management. You still do have to leverage the, you know, the tools in front of you to get through this crisis, certainly this PR crisis. And, you know, spreading rumors potentially of an IPO could be one of them. I can't say for sure whether or not it is. Um, but yes, Panera needs to move quickly past this because especially if they do file for their IPO, something like this is going to be good for them in that process. Um, so I'll be curious to see what comes out of Panera in corporate in the, in the coming weeks and months. If it's not, if the IPO, if this is just smoke, um, I'm sure we're going to see other things because, again, they, they've got to do something to get past this. It's also worth noting that after the first lawsuit was filed, Panera did make some changes to like signage specifically in their menus to like really emphasize that these things have a lot of caffeine in them. Um, and then the second lawsuit was filed this week or we heard about it this week. Um, but that death also occurred before the signage updates were made before that first lawsuit. So the timeline is a little like zigzaggy here. Um, but obviously from a public relations perspective, like Sam is spot on, um, something has to be said and or done. Curious what you guys think the IPO is going to be. Do you think it's going to be as big as Kava and Sweetgreen? I think it has to be. I mean, because Panera is, I mean, it is, it, it's, I think it cemented itself as a restaurant industry titan, right? I mean, it's a top 10 restaurant company now or at least hovers around spot 10 and 11 routinely every year. Um, you know, I was just having a conversation with somebody recently about how, you know, anytime you see catering anywhere, Panera, right? I mean, Panera has sort of embedded itself in the lifestyles of millions and millions of Americans. I mean, I'm thinking back to like that subscription program they did and how successful that was. Like it is really a favorite among so many customers in ways that brands like Kava and Sweetgreen, I mean, uh, you know, again, I could talk about Kava to, anybody where I live in Columbus and Ohio and everybody's like, who, you know, like they don't have that brand awareness because they're, they're still growing. They just don't, they don't have that market penetration. Um, Panera is not like that, right? Like they're, they're much different. And, and I think they also, it's a, it's a good brand. It's a good product covers every day part, you know, it's good for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so yes, I would anticipate a very successful IPO and it's been there before, by the way, there's, you know, it's, it's been public before there's history um, you know, investors can can look and see how it did when it was previously public. So a lot of reasons to believe that would be a very successful IPO. I'm excited to have a big IPO season again. That was really exciting when we had that a few years ago. And this Nerd. was so quiet. <laughs>
I'm excited to see a big IPO season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I just think it's a fun thing to get an IPO and to see a company really explode because of it. Um, you have a weird definition a of fun. Weird definition of fun. But you know, I, I like the spirit considering what we do for a living. So yes, let's call it fun. Sure. All right. So moving on to another of the brands that were in the Gen Z survey, Starbucks. Um, interestingly enough, the Red Cup Day, which usually generates a lot of traffic for Starbucks, was down this year. It still increased year over year, but it didn't increase as much as it typically does. So analysts are saying that the brand should expect softer holiday sales than it's been seeing in years past. Um, our own Joanna Fantosi thinks that some of that is due in part to the menu, which is much smaller this year than it has been in the past. Um, though they did introduce another ice beverage, which is interesting because, you know, ice beverages account for like 70% of their sales and are really big with Gen Z. So, I mean, what do you guys think the holiday season is holding for Starbucks? I have to wonder if Starbucks is starting to see some effect from some negative effects from the competition. You know, it just doesn't feel like Starbucks controls the coffee narrative anymore. You know, anymore, I mean, we're biased because we see so much of it, but I feel like anymore when we talk about coffee, you know, we're talking about Dutch Bros, um, Seven Brew, uh, you know, Scooters, a lot of these drive-through only chains, you know, coffee is less of a, you know, sort of the third place mentality of Starbucks that was always so popular. I feel like it's losing that narrative because the other thing I was going to say, it's like beyond the these drive-through chains that we're talking about in the restaurant industry, on, on the retail side, I feel like everything is espresso, right? And then you know, that was sort of the uh, maturation of the, the K-Cups. And I guess the point is, is like as Starbucks loses market share, I just wonder if it, it just loses, people lose interest in these things that it's doing. It's going to, people are going to lose interest in the PSL. They're going to lose interest in the Red Cup Day. They're going to lose interest in, you know, some of the things that were always such smash successes because people are just taking their business elsewhere and they just don't care about it anymore. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, it just seems to me like there's no reason Starbucks should be doing poorly as far as like market trends, right? Coffee is not less popular, you know, it's, it's Starbucks is, um, you know, not had any kind of crises of its own that would lead to poor sales. It's simply a matter of the competitive set, a matter of the market, what customers are doing for their coffee choices. They're either making a coffee at home or they're swinging into some of these new competitors out there, which is, by the way, obviously very good. A uh, very good thing, and that's no knock on Starbucks. That just means that the free market is working, and people have choices, and it will inherently, you know, make the coffee industry get better because everybody wants to in order to be able to. It's funny you said there is no reason Starbucks should be doing poorly with putting in quotes, um, because I was sitting here thinking that there are actually any number of reasons I can think of why these numbers are a little soft this year. Um, in addition to what Sam just said about the competitive space, uh, which I agree is a great thing. Traffic is down industry-wide. Um, as Holly said, there are fewer holiday drinks on Starbucks menu this year. I also want to say last year was the year that one of the Starbucks drinks went, I, I don't know if viral is the right term, but it was sold out everywhere. Everybody wanted it. And so I feel like that sort of like scarcity mindset like brought a lot more people to Starbucks than usual last year. Um, there were also ongoing protests um, of Starbucks and boycotts for a variety of reasons. And I don't think any one of those things would be enough um, to drive this sort of softening of Starbucks holiday numbers. But I do think that all together as a whole, 
like, I'm not surprised to see this. Now, of course, all of this is with a grain of salt because traffic or sales were still up like 31% that um, Red Cup Day. Like, that's the only reason we're talking about this with any sort of negativity is because last year it was up like 80%. <laughs> like, if any other brand pulled this off in a one-day promotion, we'd be talking about what a great job they did and how other brands could replicate it. Um so, yeah, I am. But I'm curious to see going forward, you know, next year, will there be more drinks on the menu? Will one of them be designed to go viral as much as you can control that kind of thing, which we all know you can't? Um, if the economy is in a different place, will traffic rise naturally? I mean, there are lots of lots of questions here. Um, but I do think there are a variety of factors uh, driving what's happening at Starbucks right now. I find it interesting in light of the fact that they've been hitting these record revenue numbers, these record sales. They saw traffic growth last quarter when everybody else was seeing traffic decline. Um, and I, so I, I'm, I don't know. I'm puzzled by this because they're seeing these positive numbers and it seems like people, despite the market competition, are still interested in Starbucks. Like it's still, it's a Gen Z choice. It's, I just feel like people are still really into Starbucks despite what's been going on. Um, so I wonder if like maybe there's just more people drinking coffee now that there is all this business because Dutch Bros is seeing incredible sales as well. So like I wonder if the market for to- for coffee is just huge. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the big fat. Yes. Right. Like that. It's it's the most popular beverage in the world oh, after water. Um, Holly, I think you yourself recently wrote that it's something like 90 plus uh, percentage of Americans drink it every day. I might get in there wrong. Um, but, but the other thing is though, is like, remember Starbucks has like 16,000 locations, Some, you know, Dutch bros has 800. It's just, you, you just can't compare them still. I mean, purely the presence of a Starbucks on every corner of America helps keep it very competitive and help to really control the market. And a lot of this reminds me of like, you know, maybe a little different, but you know, years ago when the better burger segment came up. You know, and everybody was calling them McDonald's killers. Nobody's going to kill me. They were and will be and are just fine. Um, And it's the same with Starbucks. Nobody's going to be a Starbucks killer. They're just going to steal a few occasions that would have otherwise gone to Starbucks and it's going to go somewhere else. So, so again, it's none of this is to say, oh, people don't like Starbucks. No, it's it's more just that, well, people are spreading their coffee business around because there are more options. And look, I'm I'm gonna go out there and say, I'm not a Starbucks guy. That's it's just that, you know, the darker roast that they feature is not totally jiving with my palate. Um, and that's gonna be true of a lot of people, right? So so um again, the market's just opening up a little bit. I'm drinking homemade coffee right now, so uh I'm clearly not a Starbucks customer either, despite the fact that it's literally in the bottom of our office building you have to walk by it to get in um so i i guess i'm not gen z which i'm not but just confirming i'm not (laughs) we knew that (laughs) you don't get to be gen z in spirit if only i wish um thanks guys for joining me thanks holly thanks holly